0: What is the Gospel? The word Gospel means good news.
1: Foundational insight from Pastor Greg Laurie today on A New Beginning. If there's good news, it means that there's other news that isn't good.
0: The bad news is I am a sinner who have broken the commandments of God and I desperately need the Saviour. But the good news is God loves me. The good news is I can be forgiven of all of my sin. The good news is I can go to heaven.
1: day we're surrounded by needy people. Their needs may not be obvious on the outside, but they're glaring on the inside. Pastor Greg Laurie has pointed out that everyone's lonely, everyone carries a load of guilt, and everyone is afraid to die. And as believers, we have something that can address all of those needs. Glad you're along today for a new beginning as we learn practical principles for sharing the good news of eternal life. It's a message called How to Lead Others
0: to Jesus. grab our Bibles and turn to John chapter four. John chapter four. So the woman at the well, she comes to draw water in the middle of the day when Jesus is there and he greets her. And he says, would you give me a drink of water? She said, why would you ask a drink of water from me? Don't you know Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Jesus said, if you knew who was speaking with you, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And then she said, what are you talking about? And then she goes on to say uh, in John chapter four, verse 25, we know the Messiah is coming, who's called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. Let me paraphrase it. Girl, you're talking to him. I am the Messiah. And it dawns on her. This, this is the Messiah, and she believes right on the spot, and she goes into her town, and she shares her story. John four twenty-eight. The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did, could this be the Christ? So I wanna talk to you about how to lead others to Jesus and here's my first point if you're taking notes. Number one, telling your story, that is your personal testimony, is a powerful bridge for the gospel message. Telling your story. This woman, only minutes old in her faith, Immediately goes out and tells others. And people believed because of this woman's testimony. Now, a big challenge we have in sharing our faith is overcoming the language barrier. People today are largely biblically illiterate. Very few people know anything about Jesus. So that's the culture we're addressing. But every generation needs to hear the gospel. The same message that changed the world of the first century is the same message that will change the world of the 21st century. There's power in the message of the gospel. But what is the gospel? We throw this word around a lot. Preach the gospel, I believe the gospel. Do you actually know what the gospel is? I would suggest to you that most Americans have never heard an accurate presentation of the gospel. Example: Seven out of ten American adults have no clue what John three sixteen means. In case you don't know what it means, of course, it's for God's soul of the world. He gave His only begotten Son; and whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Barely one third of all adults even know the meaning of the expression of the word gospel. So what is the gospel? What elements must be in play for the gospel to be the gospel? It's very important because there are false gospels out there. So you can't go to the essential gospel message and remove parts of it you might be uncomfortable with, then it's no longer the gospel. Like if I'm gonna make a chocolate cake and I get the recipe out, I can't say, well I don't wanna use chocolate, I wanna use liver instead. People will enjoy a liver cake. No, they won't. Maybe someone would. But to make a chocolate cake, you have to follow the recipe. For the gospel to be the gospel, you have to follow the biblical recipe, which is given to us clearly in Scripture, because there is a false gospel. Uh, Paul writes about it in Galatians 1.16. He says, I'm amazed that you guys are deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel At all. If anyone comes and perverts this gospel, I don't care if it's an angel from heaven, let them be eternally condemned. Listen to this, any gospel presentation that promises forgiveness without asking for repentance is not the gospel. Any gospel presentation that offers the hope of heaven without warning of the reality of hell is not the gospel. Any gospel presentation that tells you that God loves you but does not tell you that you need to change is not really the gospel, see? See, we like the good news part, but we don't like the bad news part. But for the gospel to be appreciated, you gotta give the whole message. Sort of like when the jeweler takes the beautiful ring or whatever it is they're offering, they put it on black velvet, why? To display its beauty, For us to fully appreciate the beauty of the gospel, I have to see the dark backdrop of my sin and realize what God has done for me. Now, we all know that the word gospel means good news. It's good news. Before I can fully appreciate the good news, I have to first know the bad news. Heard about two old guys that love baseball, love to watch baseball games. And one of them said to the other, man, I hope there's baseball in heaven. Do you think there is? I don't know, he said, but... I sure hope there is. I'll, I'll make you a deal. If one of us dies before the other, when you get to heaven, if there's baseball, let the other guy know. Well, as it turns out, one of them died shortly after that. And his buddy was walking along, missing him, and suddenly heard a voice from the clouds saying, hey man, I'm here, and guess what? There's a baseball team in heaven. That's so exciting, I'm so happy. Yeah, that's the good news, there's baseball in heaven. Oh, and then he said, but there's some bad news. The guy said, what? You're pitching Friday. Oh, that's so a good. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> the good news is God loves me. The good news is I can go to heaven. The good news is I can be forgiven of all of my sin, but the bad news is I am a sinner who have broken the commandments of God and I desperately need the Savior. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Verse John 1-8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, if you tell a non-believer they're a sinner, they're gonna say, I'm not a sinner, so you're probably gonna have to define it. The Bible uses multiple words to define sin, but over in Ephesians 2, one, it says, you were dead in your trespass in sin. Two words, trespass in sin. The first word is pretty obvious, trespass. You see someone's property, they have a fence up, no trespassing. Yeah, go over that fence, you're trespassing. So when I trespass, it means I cross a line. So God has given me the Ten Commandments. I know what right and wrong are. If I cross that line, if I break that commandment, I have committed a trespass. But then there is the other word for sin, harmatia is the word in the Greek. It means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. So let's say you and I were having an archery contest and the goal was to hit the target. So let's say that you went first and And all of your arrows hit the target, but none hit the bullseye. Okay, then it was my turn, and none of my arrows hit the target. In fact, one went in a tree. One went into a cow nearby. One went somewhere else. Okay, now, did you do better than me? Yes. But did you hit the mark? No. And even though you did better than I did, we all fell short. So God has set a mark for all of humanity. And what is that mark? Perfection. Jesus said, Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. You say, Well, how can I live that way? No one's perfect. No, that's where Jesus comes in. That's why I need Jesus, because I fell short of God's glory, because I intentionally crossed that line and fell short of His standards. I need a Savior. And a person will say, Well, I don't think I've sinned. And I might ask them, Well, have you ever broken any of the Ten Commandments? Well, uh, no, you're breaking one right now. Thou shalt not lie, right? <laughs> in fact, this is exactly what Jesus did with someone that we call the rich young ruler in the Bible. So he came up to Jesus. He's wealthy, he's young, he's successful. He has a super cool customized chariot, lowered custom wheels, <laughs> holding a lavender latte. I don't think they had those back then, but he says, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You'd think Jesus would say, hey buddy, I need you on the team. Instead he says, you know the commandments? And he lists some of the commandments. And the guy says, all of these I've kept since I've been a young man. And we read Jesus loved him. He looked at him and loved him. It would have made more sense if we read that Jesus looked at him and smacked him Because this young man had not kept the commandments from his youth. That was a lie. Why did Jesus quote the commandments to him? Because by keeping the Ten Commandments and living a good life, I can get to heaven? No. He quoted the commandments to show this man he fell short. The commandments are not given to make me righteous. They're given to show me I'm not righteous.
1: You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, Pastor Greg has been pointing out that the commandments weren't given to make us righteous. They reveal that we're not righteous. Let's continue the message, How to Lead Others to Jesus.
0: The commandments are like a moral mirror. You ever look in the mirror and not like what you see? I have a magnifying mirror at home. So I shaved this morning and uh, I thought, I- I'm good. I'm clean shaven. Then I looked in the magnifying mirror. I miss spots. What is that all about? That's an old man thing, right? See an old man, why did you miss that spot? Because he needs a magnifying mirror. So I look in God's magnifying mirror and I see myself as I really am and I say oh man, I fall miserably short of God's standards. The commandments show me I need Christ. They open my eyes and they shut my mouth. A person will say, but I'm a good person and you know there are good people. I've met good people who are not Christians. Let me say something that might surprise you. I've met non-Christians that I think are better people than some Christians I know. And when I say better, I mean they're kinder, they're more considerate, and the kind of a person who if your tire was flat, they'd help you change your tire. While the Christian would say, I'll be praying about it, bye. (laughs) They'll actually help you. I've met non-believers who are moral, they have integrity, they live an upright life, and I'm very impressed by that. So they're good people in a broad sense, So it's not a question of if you're a good person or not. The issue is, are you good enough? Are you good enough to get to heaven? And the answer is absolutely not. No one is, because heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for forgiven people. And one sin is enough to keep you out of heaven. So we need to share this news with people. And then we also need to tell them the whole story. There is the promise of heaven. Here's a problem. We'll say to someone, listen, Jesus can come into your life and forgive you of all of your sin and fill that void deep inside of you and give you purpose and meaning. Is that true? Yes. Is that the whole gospel? No. It's an important part, but it's not all of it. It's the same thing Jesus said to the woman at the well. Drink of the water I give, you'll never thirst again. He's appealing to her inner thirst. But there's also an afterlife. There's also a future judgment. And just as surely as there is the promise of heaven, the Bible warns of hell. In fact, Jesus spoke more about hell than all the other preachers of the Bible put together. You say, if I bring that up, man, th- that'll kill the conversation. Yeah, but that's still the gospel. Because you might be sharing with someone, well, Jesus has changed my life and he's giving me joy and purpose and peace. And the person says, I'm, I'm good, man. I, I don't need that. I, I'm pretty happy with my life. So the non-believer asked you, so what happens to me when I die? Um, Do you like warm climates? Wait, (laughs) tell them. I'll tell you what happens. You reject the promise of Jesus Christ, you'll face judgment in a place called hell. Ooh, really? How could a God of love send someone to hell? That's the question, isn't it? But the simple answer is God doesn't send anyone to hell. Hell was not created for people, According to Jesus, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. The last thing Christ wants is for any man or woman made in his image to spend eternity separated from him in hell. That is why Jesus died on the cross for our sin, you see. And so we have to tell him that. Listen to this. Jude one twenty three says, Rescue some by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Listen, some people need the hell scared out of them. They really do. Now I know we've heard, oh I don't like all these hellfire and brimstone preachers out there. Really? I haven't heard one in a long time. Have you? I'm not saying we should only talk about hell. Like here at Harvest it's all hell all the time. No. (laughs) But I'm not going to back away from it. And when I speak in a crusade I'm not going to delete hell because I might offend someone because if I don't give them the whole counsel of God, I'll be held accountable for that, you see. So I have to tell them. But I don't say it with a smile on my face. I warn them of it. That's the gospel message. But here's the heartbeat of the gospel. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. Sometimes in our attempts to cross over, we don't bring the cross over. And a crossless message is not the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, one, when I came to you brothers, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom, for I am resolved to know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Listen, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. If I don't give this message as God gives it in Scripture, you have a powerless message. Paul said, the message of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who believe it is the power of God. Listen to what I'm saying to you right now. What I've shared with you in this message and I'm, I'm sure you've heard these things before. But what I've shared with you, if you will take these truths and implement them, you are already armed and dangerous in a good way. To use these truths to share with others. Someone asked, once asked the great British preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, if he could sum up the gospel. He says, yes, I can sum it up in four words. Christ died for me. That's it. Can you remember that? Of course you can. You can. Christ died for me. That's the essential gospel message.
1: Pastor Greg Laurie with practical insight on sharing the gospel today on A New Beginning. And we hope you join us next time for more insights on sharing our faith most effectively from the new series called Timeless. But before we go for today, here's Pastor Greg once again with some closing comments.
0: I watched a video this last week. Uh, Gigi, one of the daughters of Billy Graham, was talking about her last moments with her father. He wasn't long for this world. He was on his deathbed and she was spending time with him, holding his hand, and he would fall asleep. Then he would wake up for a moment and fall back asleep. So when he was sleeping, she carefully slipped her hand out from under his and was walking toward the door, had her hand on the doorknob, and she heard her father say, (laughs) Gigi. She said, yes, Daddy. He said, "Uh, there's something I want you to focus on. She said, what do you want me to focus on? And Billy said, I want you to continue to focus on the person of Christ and on the cross of Christ. Wow. That's Billy Graham for you. And he said something like that to me years ago when I was in his home in Montreat, North Carolina. We had had lunch and I turned to him and said, Billy, if an older Billy could speak to a younger Billy, what would you say to yourself? What would you tell a younger version of you what you should speak on more? Without missing a beat, says I would preach more on the cross and the blood of Christ because that's where the power is. I never forgot that. And you shouldn't forget it either. If I'm preaching to a lot of people, if I'm talking to one person, I know there's power in the message of the cross. This is the day, the day
1: when life Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called, How to Lead Others to Jesus.